Chapter Eight of Loafing Along Death Valley Trails by William Carruthers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: Desert Gold. Too many fractions. On the Nevada desert, wind-whipped Mount Davidson or Sun Mountain guided the Forty Niners across the flat Washoe Waste. At its foot, they rested and cursed it because it impeded their progress to the California gold fields ten years later they rushed back because it had become the fabulous comstock said to have produced more than eight hundred and eighty million dollars though the nevada state bureau of mines places the figure at three hundred and forty seven million eight hundred and ninety two thousand three hundred and thirty six the truth lies somewhere between pancake comstock had acquired more by bluff and cunning than labor titled to gold claims others had discovered and cursed a blue stuff that slowed the recovery of visible particles of gold later the blue stuff was blessed as incredibly rich silver a mountain of gold and silver side by side it just couldn't be a new crop of overnight millionaires new feet feeling for the first time on the social ladder the mackays the floods the fairs the hearsts all this was more like current than a twenty-year-old history to jim butler on may eighteenth nineteen hundred when his hungry burro strayed up a hill in search of grass soon a city stood where the burro ate and soon adventurers were poking around in the canyons of death valley sixty-six miles south jim butler more rancher than gold hunter was a likable happy-go-lucky fellow who could strum a banjo and sing a song but when he found the burrow in Sawtooth Pass, he saw a ledge which looked as if it might have value. Born in El Dorado County in California in 1855, Butler was more or less gold-conscious, but unexcited, he stuck a few stamples in his pocket and went on after the burrow. A story survives which state that a half-breed Shoshone Indian, known as Charles Fisherman, had told Butler of the existence of the ore without disclosing its location and that butler was actually searching for it when the burrow strayed the preponderance of evidence however indicates that butler was en route to belmont to see his friend tasker oddie who was batching there in a cabin he gave oddie one of the samples and after his visit left for home oddie laid the sample on a window sill and forgot it in klondike a few days later butler showed another sample to frank higgs an assayer half in jest he said frank i've no money to pay for an assay but i'll cut you in on this stuff if it shows anything higgs looked at the sample and returned it to butler just a waste of time forget it later in belmont henry broderick a prospector dropped in for a visit with oddie and noticed the sample butler had given oddie and looked it over this ore has good values he told oddie it's worth investigating oddie knew that broderick's opinion was not to be underrated oddie was a young lawyer with little practice and a salary of a hundred dollars a year as district attorney belmont had a population of a hundred oddie didn't have two dollars to risk but he took the sample to w c gayhart in austin and offered gayhart a fractional interest if he'd assay it with few customers, Gayhart took a chance. The ore showed values, and Oddie was mildly excited. Butler lived 35 miles away in wild, difficult country, and Oddie wrote him, enclosing the assay. Several weeks passed before Butler received the letter. 
then butler and his wife returned to belmont only to find oddie could not go with them jim and mrs butler now returned home loaded provisions tools and camp equipment in a wagon and three days later august twenty sixth nineteen hundred they reached sawtooth pass and made camp the butlers staked out eight claims jim took for himself the one he considered best he named it the desert queen mrs butler chose another and called it mizpah jim located another for oddie and named it burl the best proved to be mrs butler's mizpah returning to belmont they found oddie at home the matter of recording the location notices had to be attended to that will cost ten or fifteen dollars butler said neither of them had any money wills broger was recorder of nye county and oddie's friend so oddie made a proposition to broger if you'll pay the recorder's fee we'll give you an eighth broger said nye county is one of the largest counties in the united states but there are only four hundred people in it and i'm not getting many fees these days leave em after they'd gone broger looked at the assay oddie had left and decided to take a chance the setup was now butler and his wife five eighths oddie brower and gayhart one eighth each they managed to pool resources and obtained twenty five dollars in cash to provide material and provisions brower oddie jim and mrs butler set out in october nineteen hundred mrs butler did the cooking while the men dug drilled and blasted two tons of ore the ore was sacked and hauled a hundred and fifty miles to austin and shipped to a san francisco smelter the returns showed high values but still they had a major problem money to develop the claims because the country had been prospected and pronounced worthless men of millions were not backing a banjo-picking rancher and a young lawyer with no money and few clients the answer was leasing to idle miners willing to gamble muscle against money the venture made many of them rich the others recovered more than wages as the leases expired the owners took them over the camp where mrs butler cooked became the site of the mizpah hotel and the city of tonopah and the hill where the burrows strayed produced many millions there are several versions of the butler discovery and the writer does not pretend that his own is the true one he can only say that he knew many of those who were first on the scene and some of those who held the first and best leases and his conclusions are based on their personal narratives oddie became one of the moguls of mining nevada's governor and a senator of the united states twenty-six miles south of tonopah was a place known as grandpa so named because there were always a few old prospectors camped at the waterhole known as rabbit springs these patriarchs had combed the desert about for years without success al myers a prospector working on a hill nearby came to the grandpa spring to fill a barrel of water and found his friend shorty harris who had been camping there packing his burrows to leave better hang about shorty al advised i'm getting color luck to you shorty laughed but any place where these old grandpas can't find color is no place for me in six weeks myers and tom murphy made the big strike nineteen o three and grandpa became goldfield one of the west's most spectacular camps some of the more promising claims of goldfield were leased the most valuable being that of hayes and monette on the mohawk in one hundred and six days the lease produced five million dollars 
out of the mohawk one car was shipped which yielded over five hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars and ore in all of the better mines was so rich that goldfield quickly became the high graders paradise though wages at tonopah were twice those paid at goldfield miners deserted the older camp for the lower wage and made more than the difference by concealing high grade in the cuffs of their overalls or in other ingenious receptacles built into their clothing miners and muckers took the girls of their choice out of honkies and installed them in cottages more than one of these gorgeous creatures having found her man in her boomtown crib later ascended life's grand stairway to live virtuously and bravely in a wilshire mansion or a swank hotel to stop the stealing a change room was installed but many had already secured themselves against want a wealthy resident of california once told me with the proceeds of the high grade i took home i built rentals that led to bank connections and more lucky investments everybody was doing it tex rickard a gambler and saloon man already known in alaska and san francisco for spectacular adventures here began his career as a sports promoter in the ill-advised jeffries johnson fight one morning his great northern had more than its usual crowd men stood three deep at the bar games were busy and billy murray the cashier was rushed it was not unusual for desert men to leave their money with murray he would tag and sack it and toss it aside but today there was a steady stream being poked at him finally it got in his way and he had it taken through the alley to the bank but the deluge continued when it again got in his way his assistant having stepped out billy took it to the bank himself there he learned the reason for the flood of money a run was being made on the john s cook bank he satisfied himself that the bank was safe and returned to his cage as fast as the money came in the front door it went out the back and bill murray thus saved the bank and the town from collapse a resourceful youngster who knew that wherever men recklessly acquire they recklessly spend dropped in from oregon got a job in tom kendall's tonopah club as a dealer good-looking and likable he made friends took over the gambling concession and was soon taking over goldfield and the state of nevada he was george wingfield who when offered a seat in the united states senate calmly declined it goldfield is only forty miles from the northern boundary of death valley national monument and was in bonanza when shorty harris walked into the great northern saloon i've been drinking gulch liquor he told the bartender give me the best in the house the bartender reached for a bottle this is a hundred proof fourteen-year-old bourbon shorty drank it laid a gold piece on the bar good stuff i'll have another you must be celebrating the bartender said you guessed it shorty said and laid a piece of high grade beside his glass i've got more gold where that came from than uncle sam's got in the mint a faro dealer noticed the ore and picked it up good looking rock he said and passed it to a promoter standing by in a moment a crowd had gathered looks like brayfogle quartz the promoter said and led shorty aside i can make you a million on this want to sell not on your life shorty said but after pressure and a few drinks he agreed to part with an eighth interest the deal closed he left to see friends around town he found each of them in a bar room news of his strike had preceded him and each time he laid the oar on the bar someone wanted an interest 
someone called him aside and someone bought the drinks within an hour every fortune hunter in goldfield was looking for shorty harris each believing shorty had found the lost brayfogle when he left town weaving in the dust of his burrows sixteen men wished him well for each had a piece of paper conveying a one-eighth interest in shorty's claim End of chapter eight